Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So guys, thank you so much for listening um, from the beginning, from the last few weeks. I can see stats have kind of gone up in the last few weeks, uh, given what's kind of going on. Um, so this week is a very, very special episode. I've been talking to Kira for a little while over Instagram, um, trying to, to kind of get her on, and then we know all what's going on in the, the media, all what's going on out there at the minute. And I'm very, very lucky to have Kira on the episode today. So we will be talking about COVID-19, but we will be talking about a lot of other topics as well, because I don't want, I think everyone is on information overload with what's going on at the minute, but we will be talking on a little bit more. So this week's episode is with Dr. Kira Kelly, who is the host of the Irish Balance uh, podcast, who is at the Irish Balance on Instagram, medical doctor, specialist registrar in public health, health blogger, writer, educator, now speaker, uh, and uh, and she has a website which is www.theirishbalance.com so Kira, thank you so much for coming on today thanks so much for having me it's great to finally have uh, put a date into record it took a while apologies for that <laughs> I think there's bigger things going on than yeah. <laughs> trying to record a podcast how are you how are you holding up first of all I'm okay um, taking it day by day I think that's really all we can do I think when this um, when I suppose when the whole pandemic situation really got going in Ireland if probably about three or four weeks ago now um I think a lot of people were trying to think about what that meant and what was going to happen and what was the future and what can I do what can I not do and really what I've realized is that all you can do is take it day by day take it moment by moment and plan for certain eventualities I guess but really living day to day although really difficult is probably the best way I'm staying sane at the moment yeah and you you're you're putting out a serious amount of content and I can only thank you so much for what you're doing day to day but also the amount of content that you're putting out for people to have a no BS because there is a lot of BS out there and we we're talking off air at what Facebook and Instagram have done with changing the algorithm that if someone talks about it um, on their story that it will be taken down so I think there, I think the social media people like Twitter are already doing I think yeah. Um, so I think Facebook and Instagram, I think they're owned by the same company. I could be very wrong, um, but they are. They're trying to pick it up, and there's so much bullshit out there. There's always a lot of misinformation about health, and unfortunately, we have this brand new shiny health topic, this global health issue, and it's just a ripe opportunity for misinformation and myths. So much so that the WHO have published like a series of myth busting. Um, Instagram posts and things on their website which is really helpful if people are wondering and just want to have a little read of what's fact and what's fiction that's probably a great place to start but it just goes to show how much misinformation they've come across um, and they're the global health body that regulates you know a lot of what we're doing around COVID-19 I think it is important I mean I suppose it's tricky to find the time to do the content outside of my day job but I guess the day job at the moment is informing the content so I am really passionate that people get the right information out there but also that they get directed to the right information. Um, so that using the Instagram and the content I'm sharing there really is educational, but it's also to direct people to the advice of their local health authority, particularly for those in Ireland, because that's where I'm from as well. Yeah, no, uh, we, we will go on to kind of COVID towards the end. I just don't want to be... It's an information overload for everyone right now, in fairness. It's really hard to imagine life outside of the COVID-19 pandemic at the moment, but it is there and we do have to look after ourselves. Yeah. you know all that said yeah we do and I think after last night's 
last night's kind of announcement definitely hit me from a mental health perspective I was kind of a little bit anxious afterwards I was kind of like oh crap this two kilometers so I was straight on to Google to see what was two kilometers from my house I was like didn't really change much I've like three shops around my house from two kilometers and I've got the park as well so I'm kind of lucky enough um but I know and I think there is a website that you can check the two kilometer radius which is very handy there is yeah yeah I don't know what it's called now but I've seen it in my family whatsapp this morning because we're recording this just after they were announced last night and you're right I think I had it playing on my laptop when I got home from work and I almost got this like just you know that nervous feeling in the pit of your stomach when you see the overadker stepping up to the podium and you know that there's big announcements coming and he says you know the following will apply for midnight tonight and your body just kind of tenses up you know um i think we really have to tune into how much all of this content can affect us mentally because we're digesting a lot of it at the minute yeah and i think that's the one tip that i kind of have been trying to put out and i know we're talking off air joe brian or head first is doing an awesome job promoting the mental health side of things as well but like I'm only trying to look at the news at like six or seven o'clock on repeat uh, when the, the plus one thing comes up and that's all I'm trying to look at because it's always just scroll through your phone. Yeah, definitely. And I'm guilty of it as well. Like RTE, I've never Googled RTE so much in my life. Not that they're like the go-to for up to date, but they're probably the main mainstream media outlet that I would keep up with. And um, they've been pretty good at reporting facts, um, you know, and I suppose aligning their message with what the department of health message is and what the public health messages are but you have to be very careful and um, it's very easy to be i suppose um, a victim of clickbait and looking at all the different media outlets you could see like sky news or abc or any of the other ones from across the globe and suddenly you're in this spiral of thinking the world's ending tomorrow and it's not but you know we are in a very serious situation but we will move past it and there is life beyond it and there is hope beyond it as well and um, so i think doing a check once maybe max twice a day is a really sensible approach yeah big time i think that's that's very very good advice um your name on social media is at the irish balance and like we live in a world of extremes and moderation is very very difficult like we were talking about it there a second ago why do you think that people are struggling to find that moderation with kind of social media and is there anything that we can do to change this or is there any advice that you would give to someone else to kind of change their approach to the whole social media overindulgence side of things yeah um that's a really good question um i think first of all we live in we think we do live in a world of extremes and i I don't think social media helps that we have i suppose the potential to be upwardly comparing ourselves to others all the time because of social media so before we had Instagram or even Twitter or Facebook or whatever like I remember when I used to buy magazines you know you used to buy a magazine like you'd be going on a plane or going on a train and you'd be buying like three magazines so excited and you'd be seeing all these aspirational pictures and articles and celebrity stuff on them but like you'd buy that one magazine you'd you know you wouldn't read it again whereas now with social media we are literally bombarded by these images every single day and even if you don't think you're doing it you might be subconsciously doing a bit of comparison and sometimes that might be to an extreme that isn't realistic. I think for me, my social media relationship has changed in a big way um, over the past kind of 18 months or so. And a couple of tips that I have applied to my own life that might be helpful to some people listening is number one, turning off notifications. Um, I think that's huge. And I know a lot of people have done that already. Um, mine are off for pretty much everything except phone calls and like good old standard text messages, which I get very few of, to be honest. Mom and dad mainly, I'd say. 
yeah basically <laughs> or you know tree telling me that i need to pay my bills yeah know? um so turning off notifications key absolutely key because you're in control of more of more of your time then um what would be my number two having a cutoff i think like maybe not so much depends on where you're at with work or what you do in the morning what your morning routine is like but for me nighttime there has to be a cutoff time it's gone a bit haywire with COVID-19 don't get me wrong um because I've been sharing content and updates at different hours of the day but I try to have some kind of like nine o'clock at night switch off which is about 90 minutes before I go to bed because I don't need a busy brain if I'm trying to sleep um I find when I'm on my phone right up until I can't get I can't sleep and that's something that as we all know is not a good recipe <laughs> you know for health in, in any shape or form um is there a third one I suppose I think as well curating what you follow like if it doesn't inspire you or make you feel good about yourself or I suppose um motivate you I don't really know why you'd be following it um and that you might have to be really honest and it might involve doing a fair bit of unfollowing but it's probably worth doing that periodically because it's very easy to I suppose be subconsciously digesting things and not reflecting on how they make you feel um like I know a lot of people when I talk about this people say oh the mute button the mute button on social media and it seems to help a lot of people you're not unfollowing you're just seeing less of that kind of content um just being very mindful of, of what you're seeing uh, definitely notifications get them off um cut off um particularly at night time and then curating what you follow so that it's something positive and has like it's all about social media is meant to be a positive thing but it has become I think negative for a lot of people and it can be very addictive as well so I think having a bit of boundary around it is really important yeah I think I think what the other one you could do is I know first thing in the morning we tend to reach for our phone what you could do or one rule I've tried to implement is no phone until after I brush my teeth mm, yeah I've heard, I don't know where I heard that from. I can't remember at all. But there's a book called Digital Minimalism. I'm trying to read at the minute. I've read that, yeah. It's really, really good. good. It's very, really good. It's really, really yeah. good. And some of the stories are coming out of it are like incredible. The Abraham Lincoln one when he's kind of getting his ideas in, in kind of in silence and stuff like that. Which yeah. I think a lot of people are, are struggle with is trying to be there with their thoughts. A lot of people are afraid to do that because when if you walk outside now, you'll see mm. people with headphones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But, but people are, are, are even when I was walk, out for a walk earlier I could see people with headphones on they were scrolling they were doing everything at the same time I'm like how are you getting any of this information into your head um, yeah. but I think we are we are struggling to kind of have these kind of like downtime like I'm not yeah. saying social media it's been amazing my job is I get my clients mainly through social media I'm not slating it at all but I think there has to be a cut off for your own mental health and from from kind of like from research they are, they are saying that anxiety levels have significantly gone up since mm. since since social media um it's hard as well because right now the boundary is so blurred because we need to use technology to stay in touch you know yeah. like i saw a really good um it was like a, a gif what the, is it a gif or a gif anyway it was really funny it was like my screen time for this week report coming back to the way you can do yeah. that on iphone like you don't want to see what that number is you know but we ha we are using them to stay in touch i didn't use video calls until this whole thing kicked off and i'm very grateful for them but it's just to be mindful of that that boundary is definitely buried as i said my 9 p.m cutoff has not applied to any night this week and i need to get back on top of that next week um but yeah especially if because we know obviously in ireland we've had new measures introduced last night 
around how much we can go outside and distances we can go and lots of other things um and taking a bit of time you know to maybe switch off from the world a bit if you're going out for a bit of exercise if you like a bit of music then great but filling your brain with everyone else's thoughts all the time probably isn't great either particularly when we're just trying to digest how we all feel about this situation as it is and so many people have different opinions on what's going on and it's very hard to decipher what's the right one because if you listen to something three weeks ago it's going to be a different opinion to what it is now i listened to i listened to david mcwilliams podcast three weeks ago and it's a completely different scenario from where it is now yeah yeah his podcast is so good it's very good there was one his most recent one regarding the finance stuff and what the financial part of the government should do is uh very interesting um i you're the second health doctor i've had on after dr mike and dr mike struggled struggled with this uh question kira's face is kind of like what are you going to ask me (laughs) (laughs) what does the word health mean to you it means so many different things to so many different people i think I don't know how we should answer this now with what's kind of going on or should we kind of talk about it without COVID? It's hard to imagine a world without COVID now, though. I know. Well, we won't have one without COVID going forward. We won't always live in the current situation, obviously. What does health mean to me? It's funny. When I started to think about public health and so like as a medical doctor, you, you train, you qualify, you do your junior doctor years and you kind of get to a point where you're allowed to specialize. You do these exams and this is in Ireland anyway. And you have to pick your path and when I started thinking about public health the concept of health was something that really interested me and the whole idea of prevention being better than cure and the WHO have this really um, aspirational I suppose quote about health like you know being a state of you know complete uh, physical mental and social well-being and not just the absence of disease or infirmary and initially I was like wow that's an amazing quote how inspiring but actually that would probably like if you take that as a definition of health it probably would class so many people as unhealthy and i say that with quotation marks so for me my own thoughts around health don't really reflect that definition anymore um i think for me health is about a couple of things it's about um function so can you physically and mentally function to make it through a typical day to make it through life um can you do that in a way where you don't struggle um I think that's something that matters throughout life and particularly as we age and we know that we live in a world where we have an aging population um, and we'll continue to do so as we live longer and longer um, then I suppose as function for me it's also about fulfillment um, and that's why I took a bit of time last year to do a master's in public health because I figured if I'm going to be a doctor I may as well do a specialty that I'm really really passionate about and that I know the work will fulfill me um, and I think that is important to health like if you feel like what you get up and do every day matters and makes a positive difference in the world, like that's one of the most powerful things that I think you could you could do for your health. And I, that sounds probably a little bit, again, aspirational, but it is important, I think, to have a bit of a sense of fulfillment. Like in um, a part of the world, um, is it Japan? Yeah, Japan. They call it ikigai, which is your reason for getting up in the morning or your purpose. Then I guess a little bit as well is about freedom. Um, so freedom to you know, let's say today, my freedom to go for a walk this morning, albeit within a two kilometer radius if I live in Ireland, but the freedom to go visit my family, the freedom to um, get up and go to work, to, you know, and when this is all past, travel again, to, I suppose, do things that make me happy. You know, and we don't all have that. Um, there's lots of other aspects to health as well, I mean, that we all take for granted, but we're increasingly grateful for, I guess, in the current climate 
things like the basic necessities for life, you know, like food, shelter, water, clothing, all those little things. But for me, I think it comes back to function, fulfillment, and then a bit of freedom as well. Yeah, I, I, I like the, the three F's that you've mentioned there. Yeah, yeah. They're, they are, they're, they're nice sentiments. Um, it's interesting because I know when Dr. Mike was on, he struggled to answer. I think it was, I, I sent him questions as well, but he was like, just have one of these brain fogs when yeah when it's 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 such a wide topic and it's very hard to it means something to, to something different to everyone else but we all want to be healthy it's one of those kind of yeah. one of those topics well uh, i think as well like it's not this is why my my issue this is my issue with the who definition like it's still possible to have a level of health even if you have um you know if you have a chronic health condition you know like lots of young people who live with asthma for example there's lots of older people who live with one or two or more chronic illnesses it doesn't mean you can't have a lovely day have time with family have time with friends have things that fulfill you and have a level of health associated with that you might have an impairment in function you might not um, be able to do something every day that fulfills you but it's it's i don't think i think it's really hard to get an all-encompassing definition um we're just we're far too complex for that as humans things are never black and white that is the one thing that so not social media, but like I suppose the myths and information around health, they always, I suppose, try and advocate a black and white, good and bad sort of solution. And like, not to be um, facetious here, but like everything is 50 shades of grey. <laughs> like, you know, you can't, it, like there's no, it always depends when it comes to health. Um, so when people slide into my DMs, I'm like, what about this? And I'm like, well, first of all, can't do individual medical stuff on social media, but also it depends. Like there's there's no yes, no here. Um for the most part anyway <laughs> i like the way you said it's not black and white and i i think that's the same with nutrition as well because yeah. people either sit on so say there's like the keto diet a lot of people would be very very pro keto it has its place don't get me wrong uh for people with uh, epilepsy and stuff like that but those people are potentially could be kind of ramming that down your throat saying this is the only way this is the only way um and it's very hard to decipher where, who to believe and who not to believe when it yeah. becomes from kind of either a mental health perspective or a health perspective or a nutrition or fitness perspective mm. and stuff like that um and i think we we're talking about call out culture off off air as yeah. well i don't particularly like it but i can see why it's done and we we're talking about jo- dr joshua over in the uk mm. he has a certain way of doing it without yeah. coming across as an ass yeah he, like he like it's if you come across as kind of, if you are calling out someone it can be seen as bullying but the way he does it is his unique way but then if, if you've got martin mcdonald which is a little bit more aggressive but still kind of on moderate of aggressive if you know what i mean and then you've yeah, got yeah. like someone shouting out like the likes of v shred over in the U, in the us who is just he is an ass he's just promoting absolute crap he's promoting i don't immune, think i've heard of him he's promoting immune boosting supplements for the what's going oh, on oh no yeah so he's an ass um he's he's the only name i will ever say that is an absolute complete and utter ass hat uh so yeah um you are a massive fitness enthusiast like your first thing in the morning is your three plans for the day um my three thoughts yeah yeah. (laughs) so so many people use exercise as punishment um have you got any advice from changing the mindset from using exercise as enjoyment and not punishment and i think this is so important right now Mm. because so many people are having to adjust it's funny that when you had the gym people didn't want to go 
but now yeah. they don't have the gym. They they want to go. Um, I know. It's like from a PT and coach perspective, it's a lot of people are because they've had to move to to move their office to home as well. Everything that they're home, which are training at home, all that kind of stuff. It can be quite taxing on the on the on the brain and stuff like that. But how did did you ever see it as a punishment, or did you or have you always seen exercise as an enjoyment? I think I've gone through like this sort of people can't see me, but I'm kind of drawing this like wave with my hand. So like when I was a teenager um, and a kid, like I played every sport under the sun. Like when I was in secondary school, I was doing basketball, volleyball, cross country camogie gave football like everything literally everything and loved it like I loved all of it some more than others but I loved all of it and then when I went into medicine I tried to keep that up but it was very hard so I got to kind of the latter two stages of medicine um which anyone who's listening who's done medicine will know how intense those last two years are and I started doing home workouts and using the gym a little bit didn't really like I don't think I ever I don't think I picked up a weight until intern year um which was probably a couple of years after that um and I think because I never really had like a gym induction for want of a better word like a lot of what I was finding was through social media and things and around the time I started going to the gym properly as an intern doctor um the um hit craze had landed like the high intensity stuff yeah where like apparently magically your life would be so much better if you sweated for 60 or whatever it was like let's say 10 seconds and rested for 20 and all that crap like or whatever intervals you want to put on it um and I'm quite like, I don't like using the phrase type A, but like I used to, well, I'm better now, but I used to be quite a perfectionist. And uh, what am I trying to say? I suppose I used to use exercise as a stress buster, but for quite a while, I thought the only way to work out was to do it at extremely high intensity. Um, and the whole idea of like rest and recovery wasn't really the priority. It was more about getting in, getting the session done, getting the sweat on, getting out, um, which is quite a stressful way to train. And I was already in a really pretty stressful job and I don't think I really needed to be adding fuel to the fire, if that makes sense. Um, so once I kind of came out the other end of my junior doctor years, so it's been three years, you do an intern year and then I did two years as a senior house officer. Um, somewhere along the way I got injured. And at this stage I was like lifting weights, I was running, um, enjoying all of it, but like kind of just doing the same things over and over. Like I'd do spinning or I'd do running or I'd lift weights and there wasn't a huge amount of rest in there. and if you don't rest and you don't recover properly, like your training is going to suffer and the risk of injury obviously goes up. So I got an injury and couldn't uh, do like any plyometric work or anything like that. And was like, what? Sorry, what? Like, hang on now, <laughs> you know, couldn't do burpee, like couldn't do any box jumps, all that kind of crack. Had to completely change what my mindset was around training. And I realized it had become a little bit toxic and a little bit punishing, probably a lot punishing. Um, and that whole process took quite a while, but I started yoga. And when I got injured, what I could do was to go for walks. And that was when I found podcasts and started listening to podcasts. Uh, used to go for a walk before work. I was able to do some weight stuff and some upper body stuff, but I couldn't do nearly what I was doing. And, you know, did my rehab and all that. But between, I was finding just a real connection to walking, to podcasts, listening to other people's stories and to yoga. And it took me quite a while to get into yoga like for me which sounds really narrow-minded but I was like oh it's just the stretching part you know but it's so much more like it's so powerful and I really connected with it and since then my relationship with exercise has really gone from being a punishing one to an, an enjoyment one 
and I think now I'm in a place where and that didn't happen overnight like that, that took about a year um, and then for the past probably two years 18 months really feel like I have a nice mix of walking yoga and weights and I really look forward to going to the gym now which I know makes me sound like such a whatever but I do really enjoy it I'm enjoying the break as well but these are all things I look forward to and that's why I'm a real advocate for finding what you enjoy not what you feel like you have to do or what you think you should do based on social media you know like if the person you follow appears to get up every day and you know do x y and z like they might but they might not like and there might be other stuff going on that you don't know about and you have to find what works for you I think that's really important um and changing the mindset to what you enjoy what you want to do is what's sustainable in the long term yeah I'm delighted you said that you have to do something that works for you and I think mm. too many people in the fitness industry are so quick to kind of nay say against a different thing that isn't them so say bodybuilders would be against the likes of the hit sessions I started off doing Joe Wicks and that's how I got into fitness and here I am yeah. two and a half years later PT online coach but um, and I was talking to my auntie on the phone earlier and she was talking about Joe Wicks is killing it now because he's doing all the home yeah, workouts all the home workouts yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like what it's whatever gets I don't think I'm, I, like we're, the next kind of question leads into this is that I don't think a lot of people before the virus happened where it kind of moving enough and yeah. and i think now that we are a little bit more idle or sitting at home we are being more proactive in our movement yeah. but i just hope that we that that movement pardon the pun does continue yeah and absolutely I, yeah i think like it's funny how I mean, like I said it earlier like it brings this whole situation has brought a renewed gratitude to a lot of people for the basics you know food water shelter movement laughter friends human human connection friends family you know like we many of us had Mother's Day where we couldn't go visit our moms most of us are going to spend Easter buying eggs for ourselves <laughs> that's what I'm going to do anyway um, or for my housemate but like you know, I look forward to my walk. I look forward to my friend, Neve has just qualified as a yoga teacher and she's just moving into doing a YouTube channel and lives. And she might not have done that for ages if we didn't have this situation, you know? Like I follow Alice Living on Instagram. She's sharing workouts so frequently um, and stretch sessions. Like there's um, companies doing free memberships or free trials for online stuff or for um, healthcare workers, which I think is amazing. Um, and it really brings back such a renewed like when you think about the fact that you can only walk within a two kilometer radius of your home in Ireland now like for me that means I can't go down so I live in Galway I can't go down to Salt Hill um, and see the sea and I'm actually kind of sad about that because I, that's like a breath of fresh air for me when I walk down there so I'm just grateful that I can go outside and can go for a walk you know and I totally agree with you I think that's a really interesting point to make I do really hope like you say that this renewed respect for what we can do and the freedom that we have to do the different things like exercise um, will stick within people's minds after this pandemic. I actually do think it will. Maybe something else will come along. But I do think at least in the short term afterwards, we will all have a renewed appreciation for what we can do with our bodies. Yeah, and I think I think that applies to kind of the time you're spending with your cooped up with your family as well, though. Because I, I've, I've yeah. spoken to my cousins, they've got young kids and they're trying to work at home and they've got three kids banging pans behind them <laughs> yeah. oh, 
and you're like I have my con- conference call uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like no they're like no happy out with the pan but like you have to kind of look at it from another perspective and I was talking to my cousin this morning he was like I don't think I've ever spent this much time with my daughter and his daughter is like 18 yeah. months old and that's the positive he says she may be wrecking his head when he's trying to work but mm. he's also home at, for most of the day so he's able to kind of feed her breakfast get her ready all that kind of stuff so do we do have to kind of latch on to the positives that are being created um so yeah um yeah definitely regarding the movement thing um kind of the leads into the, the next question was you wrote an article for the amazing Rhiannon Lambert mm. uh, about sitting is, is sitting really the new smoking yeah it's and very I've, I've it's an interesting concept and it's an I, I do agree with the sentiment um a lot of us do struggle to move enough during the day even given what's kind of going on now yeah um do you feel that this is a true statement or do you feel that it's kind of going to, it may change kind of going forward or do you think it's potentially going to make it a little bit worse? I don't think it's a true statement. I think it's it's a catchy headline um, and I think it's it's an interesting, sedentary behaviour, sitting time, um, is an interesting um, talking point and I think it is important which is why I wrote about it. But it, I don't think it's the new smoking, so I'll tell you why. Number one is, so first of all, um, sitting time, sedentary behavior, sedentary time, it's basically the time we spend like sitting or lying down, um, excluding sleep. So I think for the average Irish person, this is around, the most recent Healthy Ireland survey showed it's around five hours a day on a weekday, less at the weekend. Um, That's going to vary, obviously, depending on the person, depending on the work setup or what they're doing at home. Um, Sitting time is separate to how physically active you are. So they're all on the same spectrum of, of activity, but how much exercise you get in a day um, obviously has a huge amount of health benefits, how much movement you get into your day, but how much time you spend sitting and sedentary also affects our health too. Now, we have a lot more evidence for the benefits of physical activity, um, like for example, taking a walk for 30 minutes, five days a week, which would be the recommended minimum recommended amount, for example, of aerobic activity, um, than we do for what are the effects of sitting for five hours per day. You know what I mean? So. That's why addressing both is important, but we do know a lot more about physical activity. Um, We also know a lot more about the health effects of smoking than we do about sitting time. The other thing about comparing smoking and sitting is smoking affects the health of the smoker, but it also affects the health of those in their environment via secondhand smoke. Um, So if I sit for a day, it doesn't really affect let's say my mum is in the living room while I'm in the bedroom. Well, no, you know that kind of way? So it is a little bit different. So that's why I don't think they're comparable. I think it is really important to be aware of large volumes of sedentary time and breaking that up, particularly as we're all working from home um, a lot more. Some people are. Um, it can be easy to sort of get into sort of that hunched over position. We know it is really beneficial for us to break up long periods of sitting time with light bouts of physical activity and even those light bouts Um, have benefits for our health so I know people have heard this over and over again like take the stairs or get off the bus to stop early but actually we do know from the evidence that that is really important and it does have measurable um, health benefits so I think it's about being aware of the volume of sitting time how many hours in a day you might be doing and then looking at where you can maybe break some of that up um, if if possible Um, and also then making sure that you're sticking to the aerobic and resistance physical activity guidelines that we have um, at a national level yeah, I think I think that's I think that's that's a true statement that you do need to kind of 
mix about of kind of like getting a little bit of aerobic training and then kind of a little bit of resistance training um mm. into and finding that balance or whatever works for you um i know that a lot of people are kind of struggling now with kind of sitting at their desks or their homemade desks should they say yeah um yeah. a lot of people are working out of their kitchen a lot of people are working out of their their living rooms or whatever it may be and you mentioned kind of the, the t-rex pose yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it's it's uh, like i'm i'm i have a cush i have a massive pillow behind me so just, that's why i'm sitting up more straight because if i yeah. find the last kind of little while i can feel myself kind of hunching over but it is really really important because that can have massive impacts on you're kind of hunched over it's not it's not great for your posture it's it, and it can have a massive impact on you down the line um without with health stuff but it can also have a massive impact on what you're trying to do if you are training and your movement and restricts your movements restricts your shoulder movement all that kind of stuff um yeah you've put a couple of posts up late last year about are we a health a healthy ireland what did you what did you find out from kind of this when you kind of when when you were kind of putting up that post and from the research and stuff like that when when that kind of came through so we do um since about 2015 i think we do a national survey every year called the healthy ireland survey and it's brilliant like it's a survey of it's supposed to be a representative survey of irish adults um from 15 upwards so it's I think they survey usually over kind of seven thousand or six or seven thousand people per year and it's meant to be a representative sample across the irish population okay and what they tend to measure and this changes a little bit year on year is our health behaviors so it includes things like food like exercise most recently they looked at sleep um even things like um sun um activity and behaviors around sunshine like do we use sunscreen do we cover up and things like that as well as smoking um alcohol intake gp usage um general health as well so just some i think good examples that came from a couple of the um surveys in the last couple of years like we know for example from a food point of view uh, just over a third of irish adults get their five a day now obviously five we're recommended to have five to seven servings of fruit and veg per day and that's one of the foundations of our food pyramid so there's huge room for improvement there over a third is still great that at least that's amount, the amount of people that are meeting their five a day but obviously there's lots more that could be done there um from a physical activity point of view we've actually seen improvements there so they measure aerobic activity um back in 2016 i think it was about 32 percent of the irish population were getting the recommended 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity aerobic activity and last year's survey found that it was 46 percent so there is that was really encouraging my only gripe with that is that we don't measure capture resistance training and i think that's critically important to know because particularly as we age you know with sarcopenia the loss of muscle mass as we age it'd be really important to know what are the barriers to people engaging in resistance exercise and so i'd love to see them capture that maybe next year then uh for example with smoking we've seen year on year decreases in the prevalence of smoking in ireland so it's now at about 18 or 17 percent um coming down by a couple of percents year on year which is amazing um it captures lots of interesting things i think like on the whole are we a healthy Ireland? It's probably not a statement you could answer with one answer. Um, it depends on what behaviour you're looking at. And there's always going to be room for improvement because we're only human. But there are definitely some areas where we're doing better than others is probably what I could say. Um, like with the sleep one, for example, and that's been a really interesting and popular health topic. They found the average uh, hours of sleep per night for Irish adults was just about seven hours. And obviously we're recommended to get about seven to eight. So I actually thought that wasn't too bad when you think about the fact that um like anecdotally we'd hear of a lot of people saying they don't get enough sleep 
and um, we measure it at the population level we see people are getting on average about seven so room for improvement but still better than you might expect it doesn't mean there's people on the other end of the spectrum getting less than seven but it does mean that on average we're not too bad so it depends what behavior you look at and i haven't even mentioned alcohol which is obviously a whole other kettle of fish in this country that's the next question <laughs> yeah because <laughs> i think what people are like i've uh, my clients have a whatsapp group and the girls on it were messing this morning that they were kind of doing like arm curls with like bottles of wine at night <laughs> watching it late late just to try to get some sort of exercise in and stuff just to kind of wind me up but our alcohol is kind of like a massive thing um yeah. like do you think there is enough being done on the recommendations of the units and stuff like that that are out there at the minute and do you feel the tide is changing towards the stigma of non-drinking that is kind of out yeah. there do you think that is still out there or do you think it's going to change to the first question, I think there's been massive strides made on um, alcohol policy in Ireland. It's taking a lot of a long, long time. Um, our public health alcohol bill took a long time to get signed in, um, but we do have that signed in now, and there is ongoing implementation of um, the measures. Now, that's all going to slow down with COVID nineteen, um, of course, and no one can go to the pubs anyway because they're all closed right now. So we're probably all seeing a big improvement in our liver health. Um, but, so I guess I think like there's a lot of work being done. There's more to do, but I think that there has been good strides made so far. Um, it's very hard because we have a huge alcohol industry in Ireland as well. Um, a lot of our exports are um, that business. So it's, it's not an easy conversation to have, particularly from a public health perspective. Um, I think that in terms of the stigma around not drinking or drinking less, um, I'm not sure if I'd say it's changing. I think it's still out there in a big way. And I say that as someone who doesn't, really drink um like very very infrequently um so personally i find it hard um but i am encouraged by the rise in alcohol free beverages um like there's lots of new there's lots of beers out there a lot of the bigger brands have done zero percent um now i'm not a beer drinker but the spirit companies some of them the botanicals that have come out um there's some really nice ones actually which are alcohol free and they're nice if you want to go out but you want to maybe alternate G&T with let's say something that's alcohol free or you just want to have um, you know an alcohol free night and um, that phrase don't be dry is one that I really hate and um, I do think we have unfortunately quite a, pre- a high prevalence of, of binge drinking in this country and we know that tracks um, socioeconomically as well so I think it's a big challenge and I think that it is not a, it's not a popular topic of conversation in this country um, but it is something that we should be trying to actively address because I guess, you know, like there's nothing wrong with a bit of moderation um, as opposed to deprivation. But I think the stigma is really unhelpful. And if someone wants to go out and not have a drink or just have a few less than they normally would, um, that shouldn't be criticised in any way. You know, we should be all be able to have a bit of fun with or without. Yeah, I think I, I there are, there's the what, there's the new, is it a gin with um, Vogue Williams' partner has a new gin out? Oh, right. uh, I think it's alcohol free or very very low alcohol okay um, and then there's the new one by the big alcohol brand uh, which seems to be doing amazingly well which is great because you still it still tastes like the normal one yeah um, I don't... I've tried some really good ones like Silk Tree is really nice I've had that one Seed Lip was nice as well um, there's another one that I can't remember that I've tried um, Cedars Altgin 
they're the three I've tried. They're really there was one of them um recently enough. They're they're really nice. And you can make them up into like pretty little um drinks with different decorations on them. But I think people shouldn't be ignorant either of the health effects of excessive alcohol consumption. Like it, it really does affect so many different uh bodily systems. Um and is a risk factor for several cancers. So we can't ignore that. Um you know, actually smoking, it's not stigmatized, but in, in effect, the public health actions around smoking have led to a huge decrease in the prevalence of smoking, as we've said. And really, it is more of a stigmatized behavior than it ever was at this point. Um, and I don't think we need to go the same way with alcohol, but at the same time, it has huge direct and indirect um, effects on our health um, and that of others around us potentially. So I think we shouldn't be immune to that either. And it shouldn't be stigmatized if someone wants to cut down. No, like I, I don't, I don't drink anymore. I've, I've, haven't drank in probably about three years um and my best mate hasn't drank in probably 11 years um but i know when i first started it was like a major shift from my mates to be like why are you giving up all this kind of stuff and you almost had to kind of like especially like on a big gatherings and stuff like that particularly at weddings weddings are were a little bit tougher when you first started kind of like because it is just you're in a room of madness stags are okay because you take yourself away from stags yeah you can go missing and then kind of go mm. back to the madness but weddings you're kind of contrapped in a room but it is one of those things that there is ways around it if you don't want to drink you can easily get like a diet seven up and put it into a gin tumbler with all the berries all that kind mm. of stuff if you wanted um but I, I do think it's getting better i think there's a hell of a long way to go yeah i think between i think it's a little bit more of a stigma for potentially the older generation yeah. i feel like the younger generation I, I've, I've heard more and more of the younger generation not not drinking really okay yeah. uh, from mates brothers and stuff like that who are like mm-hmm. 18, 19, 20 some of them have never had a drink but then you also have the other extreme when they're younger of kind of like going to like Wes and going what everyone did yeah Do you go I know the rites of passage yeah exactly there's a bit of that in it as well you know we have we I think we have to be mindful of it um you know, you're saving a fair bit of money as well by cutting down too, which is just something that might be a bit of a motivator as well. People are probably saving a lot of money these days with, yeah. um, well, the customers and obviously not the business owners and that is a separate conversation and shouldn't be ignored. But um, yeah, I think we do need to be mindful of it, especially when this whole, when the, the worst of this has passed us and things do open up again, um, like people remember moderation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens when the gates open again. Um, yeah. Um, one of the other questions and one of the things that kind of ke- has come up a lot recently in kind of for, on from articles I've been reading and from lectures I've attended is what keeps coming up is imposter syndrome mm. uh, can you explain what imposter syndrome is and have you got any tips for dealing with imposter syndrome well first of all I don't think I'm an expert enough to explain it for me anecdotally like, it's the feeling I think it's I won't go into the, I suppose, the psychiatric definition of it because that's not what you mean, but because yeah. uh, there is a clinical condition um, around it. But basically, I think people feeling like an imposter, um, anecdotally, is something that we've probably all experienced. Um, certainly, I have, and it's something that I've definitely struggled with. And actually, what has really helped, um, I suppose, because it comes down to, I suppose, not feeling confident enough maybe in your own abilities or feeling like you're not good enough to do something that you say you're going to do um and it comes down to a bit of self-belief um and I think that's something that I've really tried to work on 
personally. Um, particularly as a doctor, I think a lot of us kind of go through medical school thinking, okay, just study, 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 get through it, get through it, get through it. And then you kind of get to the day before you start actually being a doctor and you're no longer a qualified medical student. You're like, oh, yes, I'm going to show up tomorrow and they're going to kick me out and I'm going to have to go back home and tell everyone that I have to come back and pick another course and it's never going to happen, you know, and all these thoughts. And I know from speaking to some of my friends, we all experience this. And it doesn't really matter what career you're in. I'm sure, like, the majority of us have felt like a bit of an imposter at some stage. Um, I think that in terms of tips to deal with it, it's very hard. Something I'm still actively working on, I think. Um, I think for me, one of the biggest things that's helped is finding an area that I'm really passionate about. And for me, that's public health. And I think when you really care about an area, you take the time. This is true for medicine. Anyway, you take the time to read into it. You take the time to do your best. Um, and you kind of start to accept that if you give it your best and you work hard, that's all you can really do. And you've every right to do that just as much as the next person does that comes along. Um, and all we can, each of us individually, give is our best. I can't give the best for like I, I can't perform to the best of what someone else can do someone else can't perform to the best of what I can do I can only I suppose I don't want to use the word compete with myself but that is you know we're all we all have our own capabilities we all have our own strengths our own weaknesses and we should own all of those you know and I think we shouldn't um criticize ourselves for those either like we're human we're all human um and if you're really passionate about what you do and you have a message you want to share and you're working hard then I think all of that should be celebrated probably not the most scientific tips but they're the things i've been helpful yeah I've, i find them the the from my own experience the the simpler tips are better than kind of the, yeah. the scientific ones because they can get kind of if you hear some people when they hear the word science you can you can you can just see the eyes roll or you can just see them falling asleep Lays so, over, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so if they are the simpler they are the better and i think people can kind of get bogged down in so much information overload as we've spoken about already so if the, the simpler things are probably the bet the better one to, to deal with there's uh, a book i actually have on my list in case anyone is listening and wants to have a read more into this it's called the imposter cure um i think it's by a dr jessamy hibbert i've seen it on hazel wallace the food medics um a podcast i think she's doing an episode with her soon and it's top of my book list. I think it would be a great read. Um, so just if anyone does want to read a little bit more, it's one that's definitely on my book list anyway. I, I've literally written that down. I've such yeah. a, I, my, my list is never going to end. I don't think, I've got like on the back of my I head. don't think it's ever meant to end because people are always going to keep publishing books. So it's yeah. not your fault. <laughs> um, you are a massive reader, which you've just spoken about. Um, and you do like a, whenever you finish a book, you do like a mini review. Um, I don't know where you find the time to read with what's <laughs> first <laughs> of all um, but you may like it, it just proves that if you want to do something you can you can do it and fit that into your time and stuff like that if you were to name three books it doesn't matter what genre it doesn't matter what topic that you would recommend see books this is a difficult question because books when you're at a certain point in your life books can hit you I have li- so I'm, I'm looking at books now and above my head and there's some books that haven't resonated with me but I know if I went back to them potentially two years at a certain moment in my life they may resonate with me yeah yeah do you mean fiction or non-fiction whatever you want it could be Harry Potter if you want well that's an obvious choice <laughs> I mean that's a childhood favourite clearly um, followed by Twilight no am I joking um, yeah Harry Potter was obviously the best ever um i think that if i had to pick three in the last like 
12 months um, Becoming by Michelle Obama like people just need to read that book and maybe it's more female oriented I don't know but I thought it was an incredible read and I did it on I actually listened to it on Audible which was one of the first books I read on Audible and it's um, I obviously prefer like hard copy books and people say to me oh my god you should get a Kindle I'm like no stop <laughs> stop right there I have enough screens in my life I need the actual physical book and I really enjoy saving up a bit of money to spend them on a book if someone gives me a book voucher like great present idea anyway so Audible is really good as well though because if you're out for a walk and you run out of podcasts but she narrates it so Michelle Obama in your ears for a good 11 hours is a very inspiring way to spend that time so that's number one um, but they aren't really in any ticket order but number two is probably How to Fail by Elizabeth Day um, again probably slightly more female oriented but it her podcast is probably one of the most popular out there and it is all about failure so it turns success on its head and says okay like speaks to the, the podcast is about interviewing guests about their failures and what um, they've learned from them and she calls it the what does she say failure is the condiment that gives success um, its flavour so if you know what I mean as in you yeah, learn yeah. And you learn and you learn and then when you win or you succeed um, however small that win is it's worth it her book is really more about her own failures um, which is a really honest and vulnerable way to unpick your life and, and write about it but that's a great book um, I'm going to go five sorry I'm just going with five so Educated is also Unbelievable by Tara Westover that's an incredible read The Choice by Edith Eager uh, and I just finished um, Silent Patient so that's a more recent one that's a fiction psychological thriller really really good and my last one sorry is Where the Crawdads Sing that was brilliant as well and now I'm done I promise but that's six that should keep your listeners going for a while that's... they're all I love books I just love them is the Crawda one from the 1950s? Um, it's a recent publication. But is a, is, a base, exactly. is a base in the 1950s? Thinks. So. Oh, I can't remember the exact time. I either. know. I, I literally heard someone else kind of talking about it to me the other day. So that's why the only reason it's in fresh in my head. I've never read the book, so you're not going to get yeah. tested. It's not a pop quiz. No, no, I know. I just can't remember when exactly it's set, but it is set years back. Yeah. Um, in the States. It's really good. Really, really good. Um. I haven't yeah. I haven't read many fiction books in a long time. My books mainly are kind of like stuff to do with my job like yeah, kind of mind I like the mindset towards kind of self-belief all that kind of stuff, but ones that I've kind of The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari by Robin Sharma is okay. amazing. Um, really? Okay, oh, that's not so good. I think he has an audible as well, and I think he has a second book out as well. He, that's phenomenal. That if you are trying to figure out why you think about certain things, the whole thing is like a guy who was a millionaire thought he had everything, but life was going to crap, and this guy is like a Buddha uh, or a monk, should I say? Um, and he kind of comes back, and yeah, it, it's it's really interesting, particularly what's going going on at the minute with kind of the big corporates, all that kind of stuff. It's really okay. interesting. Uh, Shoe Dog is really good, which is a story of I haven't Nike. Read that either. Story of Nike. Oh, cool. Uh, okay, so, that's definitely on my list. That's really good. So Phil Knight talks about it, how like to see how he's grown that empire, how you think it's like progress is gonna be a straight line. It's not a chance. He was gonna go through he's gone through so much turmoil, been messed over so many times. Um The Art of Asking was a book I didn't think I was going to like. Um it's by Amanda Palmer. 
Um, so I think she has a podcast herself. She used to be a musician. She's on TED Talks. Okay. Um, it's don't be afraid to ask why or ask for help. So I think that's pretty relevant to what's going that's on. That's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, like if you look at the book cover, it's a bit a little bit indie. I got referred it and I was kind of like, I couldn't put the book down. Really? Uh, that's the best feeling when you can't put the book down. That is the, that is the goal, like the holy grail of reading a book. It is. What it, you want. It, it's yeah. awesome. Um, and what else have I got? Mindset by Carol Dweck is good. Okay. And then this, if you're you, talking about sleep, why we sleep yeah. is, is really good. Yeah. Why we sleep is excellent. That is a great book. Changes yeah. your whole mindset about sleep. And I was lucky enough to have Alan Flanagan on the podcast to talk oh, about sleep. Yeah. Um, and he like the knowledge that man has on everything is serious. It's ridiculous. Um, absolute gentleman as well. Um, the the recipes and stuff that you put up as well. Yeah. Are they are they where do you get them from? I know you're, t- you're I know you're currently leaning on someone's book at the minute, but. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, we were chat for anyone listening. We were chatting off air about how great his recipes are, and I also made the point that I have his cookbook um, propping up my laptop at the moment, and that's because I use it so much that it's just in my room all the time. Um, his the protein bar recipe he has homemade protein bar. It's great. And I haven't bought one in so long, um, years actually, but that recipe is great for a homemade one. Anyway, where do I get my recipe ideas? Um, they came out of being um, an intern in a busy hospital where the food choices were a bit meh and I needed to start becoming a bit of a lunchbox um, queen. So I started trying to come up with like one pot sort of recipe ideas and snack ideas. Sometimes the recipes are a disaster and obviously they don't go on the blog. Um, And then sometimes they taste really good and people eat them and it's a good thing. Um, So I think it's a bit of a mix. Like I love for inspiration, not for the blog obviously, but for inspiration for myself, I really enjoy recipes like Daniel Davies are great. BBC Good Food is fantastic. Um, Really like Hazel Wallace, the food medic and Rhiannon Lambert, her um, recipes are great as well. They're some of my favorites. any others and then for myself yeah like for me really i am all about the meal prep so i tend to have little time during the week particularly now to cook so i have this weekend off thankfully and on my days off i tend to do a little bit of cooking and it might be like making up a batch of snacks making up uh, one pot of some description before we recorded this made a pasta bake just something that i can put in the freezer or i can shove into loads of lunch boxes and not have to think about it when I get in because I love cooking like I really love cooking but I don't love cooking when I'm home at half eight on a Wednesday night tired stressed out and need to eat food and go to bed you know that's not when I want to cook yeah. um, so I like giving it the time it deserves but on a podcast playing an episode of Grey's Anatomy also a great way to unwind ironically with the medical drama but like it's one of my hobbies is cooking and I figured if I'm going to do this I may as well share some of the successful recipes with people on the blog and from the feedback I've gotten they seem to taste okay so I haven't heard any major disasters so far even though people just aren't telling me about them um but yeah I guess trying to figure out what I was going to do to nourish myself and um, led me to share them with other people yeah I think one thing I think that potentially what people could do in this kind of weird time is to try and learn how to cook or learn recipes I heard yeah. Brian O'Driscoll was on the late late last night and he was, was t- he? yeah and he was talking about 
he's going to use this time to try and pick up baking or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because his job mainly will be to kind of be going to talk on sports or to go to events. So he's been hard, hit hard by it, but he's going to try and take up some of his time is to kind of get the kids involved, all that kind of stuff, to kind of do a little bit of baking, do a little bit of cooking, pick up a few new recipes. So I think now is the time to try and practice that. And then what you've alluded to there about the meal planning or meal prep, which I think a lot of people can use it as an excuse that they haven't got enough time for it. But yeah. so I think a lot of it is that it's either not a priority or they're just knackered from a day. But if you can do it on a Sunday or a Saturday when you have a little bit more time, but now we seem to have a little bit more time. So now is and like, I'm not saying go and to the shop and buy a load of food and batch cut or not like hoard all the food in the world. Yeah, don't, no hoarding, please. That is not okay. No, I've my, my brother lives in London and the toilet roll epidemic over there is he the only one he could get was Donald Trump. Oh my good God. The irony is that coronavirus, for the most part, does not give people diarrhea. So there's no need to be stockpiling the toilet paper. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's not being gross, but as Dr. Joshua said, it's coronavirus, not norovirus. You yeah. know? I think so, people just hear virus and they're like, I'm going to get the shit. Yeah. It's not, not a prominent symptom. Um, <laughs> um, no, stockpiling doesn't help anyone. And I actually, in case I am not plugging my own podcast here, but I have recorded a podcast with Maeve Hannon, who's at Dietetically Speaking this morning, and she shared some really helpful tips on I suppose making what you buy last longer, even if you're only buying what you need as opposed to like the whole supermarket. And I think it is important to, you know, have little tips and tricks like that, particularly in a time when we're seeing these new measures introduced frequently. And while the shops are still open, it just means you might be going less than you normally would. Yeah. And plug away, by the way. Um, so <laughs> I, I listen to your podcast, so I'm happy. To, I, people come on this to plug stuff, so I don't really mind. And people just come on to have a chat, but I'm happy enough for people to plug their, their stuff and stuff like that. I think the last question is kind of what's what's kind of going on at the minute. Um, and this episode has been recorded on the 28th of the third, 2020. So this is the most up-to-date information as of that of this date. And yeah, always important to say. So I think any information that may come out from the government and stuff like that, just make sure that this information that is being said is as of the 28th of the third, 2020. Um, so please do make sure that that's the date that you have in your head when you're taking this information in. Last night was a little bit of a weird, it was a little bit eerie The uh, coming out after or having listened to Leo or the Taoiseach kind of talking about what's going on. Um, Not as eerie as the Friday, the, was, no, it was the 17th. The Paddy's Day speech was incredible. I, the, so the, the shop across the road from my, my house is their daughter wrote the speech for him. Stop. Yeah. Oh my god, that was some speech. The not all heroes wear capes. Some wear scrubs and gowns. Like, oh, like if you cried is all I can say. It was like the Obama speech when he came here with his face. Yeah, incredible. Like, just... um, he's come across out of this amazingly, uh, Doctor Hulan. They yeah. all have. Um, so, so Doctor Hulan's just fantastic. Like they, to be fair to them, this is a very, very, very challenging time unprecedented times and um it's incredibly hard to lead through that and to make the tough calls that they have and nothing is perfect but i think they're doing a great job so far it's amazing um is there given last night's kind of information that was given out to us is there anything that we can do protect do to protect ourselves a little bit more or is it kind of 
literally what has been said to us that needs to be kind of rammed down our throat a little bit further to get the extra because i think some people when it, when it first came out weren't necessarily listening or heeding i think more people are but from seeing i think there's still a little bit more to kind of yeah it's yeah it's hard i think unless and we've seen this with you know vaccine hesitancy and um anti-vaccination campaigns unless something is literally affecting your life today right now it's really hard to see or to take sometimes it can be really hard to take it seriously it can be hard to not be like you're invincible to it particularly for young people i think that was an issue at the start when social distancing was first advised first of all i don't think we need to round the information on people's throats we do need people to take this seriously and um, we are in a global pandemic of a new infectious illness that we have not seen before and while there's active research going on all the time in ireland and abroad looking at how we can get on top of this and how we can do what's called flatten the per- flatten the curve sorry so delay um and reduce the peak number of cases here in ireland um and i suppose reduce the impact that it could have on our healthcare system um we do, we we need to take it seriously um if we have a surge of cases and particularly of severely ill um patients due to covid-19 here in ireland particularly people requiring icu care and if we have a lot of healthcare workers affected, our healthcare system won't cope, can't cope. I don't know any system that could cope with that. You know, there's just simply more people than there is um, supply of the intensive care supports that might be needed. So following the advice that everything that's been advised to date and that is up to date is absolutely critical. So that means doing what you're told, basically. Um, not like we're bold children at all. Lots of people have been making a huge effort to follow the public health advice, but particularly with the new exceptions, or sorry, with the new um, measures introduced last night, following those, I mean, this it really doesn't get much more serious than what was introduced last night. I'm not sure how many cards are left in the deck are these. Um, washing your hands, number one, regularly, soap and warm water, um, really important, cleaning and disinfecting, like frequently touched objects and surfaces, um, covering, um, I've never seen anyone dab so much, so covering your coughs and your sneezes, you know, Binning used tissues, washing your hands after, social distancing, so two metres between you and other people, that's six and a half feet. Now, obviously, as of last night, we can we can take um, individual exercise within our locality, and that can include children from the household, but has to be within 2K of your house and adhering to the strict social distancing measures. Obviously, as of last night, a lot of what we were saying until last night is encompassed within it, so we're not allowed to have social gatherings anymore. Um, unless it's within your family in your house, you know, as in, and I don't mean your extended family, I just mean the people that you live with. Um, following all that advice, as well as self-isolating if you have symptoms. Um, so we're talking about things like fever or chills, plus cough, shortness of breath. They're the most typical symptoms. And if you have them self-isolating and phoning your GP to see if you should be um, tested for COVID-19, the GP can assess if you need to be tested based on whether you fall into um, priority groups they can refer you for a test and whether you get referred for a test or not if you have symptoms you're advised to self-isolate for 14 days from symptom onset a lot of people have 14 days in their head which is great and that's because that's the incubation period of the virus and you're trying to minimize any onward spread um of coronavirus and then if it's not coronavirus of any other respiratory virus you know so that's why the 14 days comes in um and which what we're trying to do with these new measures is 
uh, as Dr. Tony Holland said, suppress the virus in the community. We have quite a high level of community transmission at the minute. Just over half the cases are arising from the community transmission. So if we suppress it in the community by bringing in all these new measures as of last night and bring it back into the households, we can self-isolate people at home. Their family can self-isolate with them and we can contain it and reduce the spread outside of the home. So I know it doesn't sound probably intuitive to everyone, but they are using, actively using the data that we have gotten so far from the testing that we've done and the international data to bring in these new measures. And I think the most important thing that we do now is stay informed on what these measures are and just follow them. We have to just do what we're told. It's staying apart to save the lives of others. And I know that's really sappy and cheesy, but it's actually never been more true. And people might underestimate how powerful even just social distancing is, but it's all about how much we all do it and how high the level of engagement as a country is. If one person does it, it's obviously no good. If we all do it, it's really, really powerful. Um, and really, we're trying to save lives with these measures. And it seems so simple, but if everyone does it, it's really powerful. Yeah, I think if like if we think of it as more short term for this, for these kind of like pr- procedures or the, the precautions yeah. we put into place, it's going to save us long term and we have to think of it as a longer term picture like even if we are we don't know what how long we're going to be kind of in this this period of uncertainty or isolation whatever it may be could be 12 weeks we don't know what it is but if it is those in the grand scheme of things 12 weeks won't be too bad no we got the rest of our lives but we just have to act now to make sure that we have them yeah so our loved ones have them yes and like as you said if you if you have kids, they're the ones that potentially are wrecking your heads right now. But they, it's it's just important for those to kind of to kind of listen as well. Um, so apart from your day job, which you're doing incredible work, and I'm very grateful for you giving up a, a couple of hours of your time on your day off to have a chat with little old me. Mm. Your podcast is coming back out. It is, yeah. Hopefully, well, I had this exam that, that was supposed to happen at the start of April and the public health exam and um, as part of my training and it got postponed so probably not going to be till like the end of the summer so um, that'll be fun times but anyway um, I figured I've got a bit of extra time now that I'm not studying so because uh, it's now March so there's no point me studying right now for an exam in August but may as well bring the podcast back and connect with people so I'm hoping to start the new episode release it tomorrow and then I'm not sure how frequently but anyway sorry long story short yes the podcast is back there will be new episodes bring in some COVID and non-COVID-19 related content to people and um, if people want to listen it's the Irish Balance podcast and it's on Spotify and um, iTunes as well well I will be definitely giving it a listen um, so guys if you have enjoyed this episode I've I didn't realise how long we've been recording I rarely look at the time and it's over nearly nearly an hour and ten minutes I've really really enjoyed it uh, I'm very grateful for Kira for putting the information she does I'm very grateful for what Kira does for a living and kind of protecting us on a as a as a nation on a daily basis. I'm very grateful for coming on and putting have just having a chat. Uh, if you guys have enjoyed the episode, please do tag it up on your story and tag myself and Kira up on your on your stories. Uh, Kira's uh, Instagram handle is at the Irish Balance and mine is at Shane Walsh Fitness. So Kira, thank you so much for coming on today. No problem. Thanks for having me. It was great.